Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Turn with me in your Bible before I get into my regular message today and go with me to the 19th chapter of the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. I want to talk about... uh, Uh, something that has been uh, on the front page, the headlines and all over the news the last couple of days, and that's about what the Supreme Court uh, decided on Friday. Actually, they decided it several weeks before, but they announced it on Friday. And uh, what the Supreme Court has ruled is that that everyone in America has the right uh, to marry anybody they want to. Same-sex marriages are uh, now... uh, decreed to be a fundamental right of every citizen and that none of the states can prohibit uh, uh, people from from marrying. I know some states are going to, you know, uh, resist this and so forth, but it is the law of the land. I said it is the law of the land. But, you know, uh, people, I've heard all kinds of comments. I've heard people ringing. I mean, I've, I've, I've read and seen and heard of people, they're wringing their hands Oh, I don't know what we're going to do. One person and probably more than one, but one that I noticed posted a Christian. Posted, this is the end of the church in America. Oh, my Lord, we're all going on. The country's gone to pot. Everything's gone. It's just all over. Well, first of all, let me read to you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. It came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judah beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. And the Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? He answered and said to them, Have you not read? I will ask you, Have you not read? I would ask anybody that has a question about this, Have you not read? Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, He made them and he said something about them. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, what? Let not man separate. I want you to notice that God made man, male and female. And God said, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And God said, the two shall become one flesh. And it says here that God joins men and women together in marriage and they become one flesh in his sight. Now that's something that God said and even though the Supreme Court has made this the law of the land, it's still not true. It's still not right. It's just like when the Supreme Court ruled back in the 70s on Roe versus Wade that that they said gave a right to every woman to have an abortion for any reason. And the majority of abortions are are performed for birth control reasons. It's wrong, it's sinful, and it doesn't matter what the Supreme Court decrees, it's still wrong and sinful. Now, it's still the law of the land. 
We're not, we're not arguing with the law of the land. It is what it is, but the law of the land is wrong. It's sinful. It's wrong where abortion is concerned. It's wrong where homosexual marriage is concerned. And, and uh, you know, people that predict, you know, the end of the church. Listen, the, the obituary of the church has been written many times over the centuries. And at the, at the end, the church always rises triumphant, praise God. Every single time, glory to God. In fact, I was sitting here this morning, the Lord reminded me of this. Turn with me over to uh, the, the book of Acts and go over to the 8th chapter of the book of Acts. It says in verse 3, as for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now, I know that you've probably heard, I don't know if it's true or not, but I imagine it is, that some of the radical extreme uh, uh, homosexual rights groups have said that we've, that we've conquered every barrier We've brought down the barriers in every institution in America except the church, and now we're aiming at the church. Essentially, they think they've declared war on the church. Well, to begin with, we're not at war with them. <laughs> and it's a really, really, really foolish position to take to think you're going to be at war with the church. I mean, that is a really reckless plan because everyone who has tried it in the past has ended up either dead or like Saul. He declared war on the church. Did he not? Did he not declare war on the church? Did he not say, I'm going to conquer the church? Did he not say, I'm going to wipe out the church? Did he not say, I'm going to put the, an end to the church? Therefore, did you read the next verse? Therefore, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Glory to God. Woo, hallelujah. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against groups. It's not against somebody's lifestyle. Our, our fight is the good fight of faith, and our armor is in preaching. Our, our offensive armor is preaching the word of God. Amen. They went everywhere preaching the word. And then it talks about Philip. Went down to the city of Samaria. Now this is the only one of the, of the deacons that are listed in the sixth chapter of Acts. This is the only one whose story is recorded. Now there are other uh, literature, extra biblical literature uh, from uh, the first and so the second and the third century that reports on some of the activities of some of the other deacons who were listed in Acts chapter 6 and some of their exploits. We don't have a biblical record of any of that, so we can't comment on it. But I would say that, that since he just picked one person and told about what happened through his ministry, I would imagine this would be representative of the other five or the other six. Isn't that right? And so tell, tell me what happened whenever uh, Saul declared war on the church. The church rose up and just began to preach the word stronger than ever. They were already preaching the word. They just, they just stepped it up a notch. 
They went everywhere preaching the word. On the job, in the supermarket. Amen. Amen. In the shopping malls. Everywhere preaching the word. Everywhere preaching the word. Everywhere preaching the word. Amen. And what happened? You know the story. Revival came to the city of Samaria. That's what happens when the devil starts to pick on the church. You know what it results in? Revival coming to the city. That's what happens. Revival comes to the city because God's people respond and just start preaching the word. Praise the Lord. Preaching the word, saying the truth, speaking it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so we have the eighth chapter. We have the revival. Glory to God. The whole eighth chapter is talking all about what God did in Samaria. Talks about how God called Philip away, you know, and he had a tremendous miracle and uh, just just wonderful things happening. And then in verse nine, chapter 9, look at the first verse. This is really funny. I never noticed this. Then Saul, what's the next word? Still. It's funny that it didn't say then Saul breathing threats and murder. It says then Saul Still. Still, he was a slow learner. In spite of the fact that God was moving in revival, Saul still. You ever seen that before? Still. Saul, then Saul, still, bless his darling heart and stupid head, still. Breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and we know what happened with that. Huh? As he journeyed to Damascus, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Woo-hoo. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I predict, I'm gonna make a prediction. I predict this this alleged assault, if, if, if it's true, and I don't really care if it is or not, but this alleged uh, strategy that the uh, uh, extreme, and you know, you understand that not all, all, all homosexuals are in favor of gay marriage, and they're not all extreme like this, but I'm making a prediction right now. On the 28th day of June 2015, that in response to this uh, this uh, alleged attack, whoever's involved in it, there are going to be multitudes of homosexuals turning to Christ, being born again. The Lord's going to appear to him, whatever it takes. He's going to reveal himself to him, and we're going to see a mighty harvest from that community into the church in these last days. That's just the way the Lord rolls. That's just the way he rolls. That's just what he does. That's just his, that's his MO. That's his technique, praise God. That's what he does. He just gathers them all up, praise God. So we'll just come on. I'll just bring you right on in to my family, praise God. Change, transform their lives. Glory to God. And what did he make from Saul? He made him Paul, the apostle. Glory to God, the champion of the faith. I predict that, that Christian leaders will arise out of those who are now determined to fight against the church, that God will save them, raise them up, and make fiery evangelists and leaders out of them. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'm not fighting any of them because some of them are going to be my brothers and sisters real soon. (laughs) Amen. 
Hallelujah. Woo, glory. Revival, revival, revival has come. 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 Praise God. Revival has come. Revival has come. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Revival has come. Revival has come to our church. Revival has come to America. Revival has come to the land. Praise God. Revival has come in these last days. Praise the Lord. A great and mighty harvest in these last days. Glory to God. It's come. It's come. It's come. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be seated. Let me say something right now to the younger people, particular, particularly college age and younger, high school, middle school. If you are not careful, you would think, listening to the news and listening to the, the brouhaha over all of this, you would think that uh, homosexuality is growing rampantly. In America, I asked my wife last year, I said, sweetheart, how many would you guess if you just wanted to put a, a just guess at a percentage of how many people, uh, it, you know, are, are out of the population, what percentage would you guess would be now can, uh, 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 determine themselves or claim to be gay or lesbian or homosexual? And, and my wife said, I don't know, 20, 30 percent. Well, a study came out last year, this time last year, in June last year, it was published this time, June last year, and it was from a survey from the CDC, that's the Center for Disease Control, one of the, it is the uh, vanguard uh, uh, health organization of the United States. They conducted a survey where they surveyed uh, uh, a large cross-section of Americans, uh, adults, 18 years of age and older. And they asked them about their sexual orientation. And, you know, and the, and the question was, you know, uh, are you, would, do you consider yourself uh, gay, uh, uh, homosexual, straight, bisexual, etc.? And this was in 2013 of uh, a very strong sampling. It was a very powerful uh, survey, very, uh, the, the, what do you call it, the, uh, margin of error is very small because of the breadth of this survey. 1.3% of Americans said they were, they were uh, uh, gay or uh, lesbian or gay, male and female. 1.3%. 0.7%. I'm telling this to the young people because in, in the culture... That there's this there's this attempt to make you think it's just everywhere. It's just rampant, and you got friends and everybody you know, and it's just not true. One point three percent claim to be gay or lesbian. Point seven percent 
claimed to be bisexual. If you put that together, that's 2.4% of, of Americans in 2013, just two years ago. And then 96.6% of Americans claim to be straight, heterosexual. 96.6%. And this was, a, this was a, a private survey where there was no names attached to it. People could be themselves, you know, tell the truth. 96.6% said they were straight. Now, what about the, the other remaining 1.1%? The remaining 1.1% either, either didn't answer the question or else they said they didn't know what they were or else they said something else. I don't know what else the something else would be, but anyway, uh, even if you add that one, even if you take all of those people who didn't answer or didn't know, even if you lump them in, you're still only talking about three point. 3.4, 5, something like that. So a very, very small percent. Now, that does, that's not to diminish someone's dignity. A person who's a homosexual, they deserve to be treated right and treated with dignity. They're a human being just like anybody else. But do not fall for the, for the uh, intended misconception that this is just something that's taken over the, the world and the nation and, and it's just rampant, it's everywhere. It's still a very small percentage of people. And uh, in fact, I, I was telling Pastor Greg, I would like to do some other kind of survey or just see if I could find stats to find out how many other uh, conditions in life that people have that would be restricted to that small a group of a percentage of people. It would just be interesting to see that you could say as many people as are, you know, one eye and one ear and, you know, no knees or something. You know, I'm just making I just wonder if, if you put other things together, it would give us perspective is what I'm saying. So, you know, we, we don't need to be, we don't need to fall for the lies of the enemy. And, and we certainly do not need to be in fear about what's going to happen to the church and et cetera, et cetera. Listen, we're going to preach the gospel. We're going to preach the word. Glory to God. And like I said, I expect a multitude of these folks to come out of darkness, praise God, and come into the light. That's just the way the Lord does things. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God, we're in revival. It's flowing. Glory to God's getting stronger. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> it's 1143. Hallelujah. What? What'd you say? Go ahead and do what? <laughs> Can I get three or four more? If I get a majority, I'll go ahead. No, I'm not going to keep you long. Praise the Lord. I want to, to start today uh, and, and begin to talk about revival praying. I, I received, now I know I taught on revival a number of weeks back, but I've received some more insight uh, when I was in ministering in California and then even since then. I've received some more insight along these lines that I want to share with you. And, uh, and so... In particular, we want to focus, focus on revival praying and what the ingredients are and what, what re true revival praying involves so that we can make sure that we are 
cooperating with what God's wanting to do. Amen? Because he only does in the world through, he only does what he does in the world through his church and he only does it through his church as we cooperate with him. Amen? And so, uh, I, you know, I just want to say, even though I uh, uh, have taught on this, you know, recently, uh, I think it'd be good to just make some, some uh, uh, remarks to kind of refresh our memory about revival and just kind of give some introductory things before we get into the actual praying part. Uh, go with me over to Acts chapter 3. I know we've looked at this before, but uh, I'll probably look at it again Amen. sometime in my life. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 says, Repent therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So we want to first talk off, first of all, talk about times of refreshing. Now, as we move through this teaching, we're also going to be talking about times of restoration. There's some things about the times of restoration that we really haven't explored yet that we need to get into. Because he said that, that uh, up until the time the Lord Jesus comes, there will be times of, of uh, refreshing and times of restoration. Now, Weymouth's translation, where it says times of refreshing in verse 19, it says seasons of revival. That's what revival is. It's a refreshing. And a refreshing from the Spirit of God. And so we see that from the time of uh, the beginning, beginning of the church age, right up until the time Jesus returns, it has been decreed by God that there would be times of refreshing or times of revival. Uh, and it also, of course, it also says there, that uh, there will be times of restoration. But both of these things come as, as, like I said, as we cooperate with him. It says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be plotted out so that these times of refreshing... Man has something to do with whether or not these times of refreshing come and whether or not they have the full effect that they should have and that God intends for them to have. Now, God initiates things and he plans things, but he depends upon us to cooperate with him to bring his plans to pass in the earth. Uh, why do we need revival anyway? We talked about this. What, what is revival all about? If you go to the dictionary, uh, now, now Leah came up with this. Where did, you, where did you get your definition? Was that out of the dictionary or did you just, huh? She found this, this, revi this uh, definition of revival. It says the growth of something or the increase in the activity of something after a long period of no growth or activity. One synonym is resuscitate, to bring back to a conscious or active state. Well, that's a good uh, definition of revival. But if you go to the dictionary, I, I looked in, in, in my Merriam-Webster uh, dictionary. I looked in, in my uh, good old Funkin' Wagnall dictionary. And uh, both of these dictionaries also had this definition for revival. 
They both said a series of, of very emotional evangelistic services of high fervor where, where people get excited about uh, religion. That's, that's, both of these dictionaries had this idea that revival is, is, a, is, a, is a series of meetings that are very emotional and people get all worked up. And that's what a lot of people think revival is. They think it's just hysteria and uh, people getting worked up. But, but uh, revival often produces all sorts of emotion. And it, and it most often produce, produces a lot of excitement and a lot of enthusiasm. But uh, it, it's actually the resurrection of life in the church. Amen. Amen. So why do we need revival? We need revival because people backslide. Men always backslide. Jeremiah made this statement about Jerusalem and he said, you and your perpetual backslidings. Hosea the prophet said concerning Israel, you are always bent on backsliding. Well, isn't that a wonderful thing? That God's people are bent on backsliding. Well, that's what it said in the Old Testament. Well, what about the New Testament? Well, the New Testament, the church hasn't done any better. If you read the book of Revelation, have you read the letters to the seven churches? Written before the first century had closed. Written before, written by John, the apostle, in his day to seven churches in seven cities in Asia Minor and the majority of those, uh, of those churches were backslidden. And he wrote, he said, you've lost your first, you've left your first love. You better repent and get right. He, he wrote and said, you've fallen. You need to repent from where you've fallen and, and get back straight, get back right. So in the first, now I know that there's a lot of people think that those seven churches, you know, the messages, they represent seven different ages. That's a theological question. That's beside the point. But they were seven actual churches in seven cities, and they were already backsliding before John the apostle even died and before the close of the first century, the church was backsliding. If you read church history, you know that it didn't stop there. They didn't repent. And, and the church has, has been in periods of backsliding and revival ever since. More backslidings than revival. Amen. So that's why we need revival because God's people always backslide. Amen. God sends revival in response to a season of decline and apostasy in the church to turn the tide to restore spiritual momentum to the plan of God. Go with me over to Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59. Just like in the church, in the book of Acts, chapter 8 and chapter 9, God always responds. He always responds to apostasy in the church. He always responds to attacks from the outside. He always does. How does he do that? He sends revival. In, uh, in the 59th chapter of Isaiah, it says in verse 19, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west 
and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Now, there's, there's a number of different translations of this uh, passage here, particularly the last part of this, where the enemy comes in like a flood and the spirit of the Lord lift up a standard against him. And almost, almost uh, unanimously, other translations bring out that in the Hebrew, the best, from the Hebrew, the best translation of this is that when the enemy comes in, then in response, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. In fact, the way it's written in the Hebrew, and you know the Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally, the way it is written is that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, and, and the, way, the way it's described is it's a small stream of a rushing torrent, a raging torrent, a massive amount of water forced through a small stream. You know, if you, you know, if you know anything about pressure and water, if you have a certain amount of pressure and the pressure is strong enough, if you have a pump that's strong enough, the smaller the hose, the greater the, the, the effect of the water. Isn't that right? You, you, you close that nozzle down and what, ha what happens to the stream of that water? It becomes stronger and more forceful because the pump is powerful enough, it's gonna push that water out. And so it's gonna have to push it out faster because it can't back up. It's gotta go somewhere and so it's gonna come out with more force. And in the Hebrew, that's the way this is written. That when the enemy comes in like a narrow confined river flowing, raging like a torrent. Driven, here's what it says, driven by the wind of God. That's what God does. When the enemy comes in, that's what God does. He responds, he lifts up a standard and, and the analogy is like a, a torrent of water forced through a small stream driven by the mighty wind of God. Ooh, hallelujah. If you drop down to the 60th ver or verse one of chapter 60, it says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Now notice verse two, for behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. Well, if that has ever been a picture of the world in which we live, it certainly is a picture of today. Wouldn't you agree? The darkness shall cover them. Listen, there is gross darkness. And the children of darkness are clamoring like never before. Lifting their voices in defiance of God like never before. Great words of boasting and slander against God and against everything right and everything righteous and about the, the Bible and about Christianity and about faith. Just boisterous words of defiance. But notice that that, that condition is sandwiched in the glory of God. Verse one says, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you 
and his glory shall be, it shall be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Hallelujah. Who were these Gentiles that he said would come to your light? Who were they if they were not part of the, of the darkness that covered the earth? Was it, who was it if, it not those, if not those that it said that deep darkness covered the people? Those are the very Gentiles that he said would come to your light. The glory of the Lord, I'm telling you, the glory of God is, is arising upon his people today. Amen. You, you need to expect it. You need to believe it. You need to cooperate with it. You need to declare everywhere you go. When I leave my house in the morning, I'm like a beam of light. I'm like a beacon everywhere I go. The glory of the Lord has risen upon me. His light shines through me and Gentiles will come to my light. Kings to the rising, uh, the glory of my rising. It's gonna, people are drawn to me. Amen. We're not to have a defeatist attitude. We're not to have a victim attitude. We're not to have an underdog attitude. We're not, we're not hiding out. We're not running away. We're not, un, we're, we're not uh, in, in retreat, praise God. The glory of the Lord is upon his people. And as revival grows, that glory will grow. It'll become stronger and stronger and stronger. I tell you what, church, we are living in the finest day. The, the, a, a day of the greatest opportunity that the church has ever experienced before. We're living in the time of the greatest opportunity. The time where the church is destined to arise and in a bold witness worldwide witness without hesitance hesitancy without apology without fear a bold and glorious witness for God that's the day we're living that's what God has designed and decreed for this day in which we live so you need to kick that old uh, victim mentality right out the door kick it right out of your house Amen. Square your shoulders and, and realize that you've got God in you and he's ready to shine through you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, that's the truth. Amen. Revival, revival, revival. Glory to God. Let's stop here and, and we'll pick up here next time. Praise the Lord. Listen, you need to be in all of our services. This isn't religion. This isn't just because I'm a preacher and I like to have people here. That's not the one. You need to be in our services. It's not too much to come back again a second time on Sunday. It's not. It's not too much. That's right. When I, when I go fishing, I go fishing in the morning and I go fishing in the afternoon, same day. I go out in the morning and then when it gets warm, I come in and in the evening, I'm talking about fly fishing and mountain streams. Those are the best times. And I, and I like to fish in the morning. I like that, I like that fog on the river. You know, when it's just, you know, it's just uh, nice and foggy and, and, and it's cool and you're wading in that river. And, and then I go home, and, uh, but in the afternoon, I like it too, that fog begins to settle down. And, and, uh, so it's not, and I don't think it's too much to go out twice. I don't say, well, no, I, I, don't, I can't go again. I've already been once today. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not too much to come back again Sunday night. It won't hurt you. In fact, it will help you. 
I guarantee you, it'll just take it as a as a as a, uh, a challenge. It'll help you. Amen. Amen. Come back Sunday night. Tonight we're going to have a, a, a great move of God. Amen. Great things are happening. We're in revival, folks. I mean, when when people are in revival, they come to church every time the doors are open. If it's not open, they just gather outside. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> so uh, you, you don't want to miss out. Praise God. You want to be in on everything that God's doing. If, perchance, you, you have a legitimate uh, uh, something that absolutely prevents you from being in church, you, you know, you have a, something that's just unusual and you just you know, can't make it, you need to go online. And listen to what you miss because we're building. We're building. God's revealing some things to us about his plan and about his purpose for these last days. And you don't want to miss out on it. I'm saying you don't want to miss out on it because it's something for that God has for you. He will speak to you personally. He'll speak to you personally. I remember something that Charles Capp said when I was in Bible school. He came to the Raymond campus and held a week-long seminar and during that seminar he was teaching on faith but in that seminar he made this statement and it stuck with me I've never forgotten it he said you need to pay real close attention to what the Holy Spirit says about what I'm saying talking about himself he said because what the Holy Spirit says to you about what I say is more important than what I say Yeah, when the preacher is preaching under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will take things and he will take something that is said and open a whole vein of understanding and revelation that applies to your life and it'll just light up. And you'll go, oh, praise God. Amen. You ought to to claim that every time you come to church. Every time you come to church. Amen. Well, let's stand. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Ha, ha. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thama, jeta, ehebe, isti, ishtahaman, tepia, ekustuvia, matsada, eremen ishida, uno ori befidia, sekapara, vandande, ishta, ara, era, befra, inesti, pravataya. Lift your voice and declare what you know. For you know the answer to people's problems. You have the solution on the inside of you. The good word that has changed your life and brought health and life and healing and power and victory to you is the same word that will bring it to those in need all around. So be bold and be courageous to say what you know, to speak the truth in love and offer the light of God and the revelation of God everywhere you go. And the light and the glory of God will be upon you and people will see it, people will recognize it and they'll say, I don't know what it is about that person, but there's something about them different. There's something about them that they have. There's something they have that I must have. I must have. I must go after what they have. It's the glory of the Lord upon you. So speak it. Do not hold your peace. Be bold and see the hand of God, the glory of God, and the victory of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Got anything? Glory to God. Glory to God.
Shazumbra kahastegere. Monsha kalege do sun stagres de monsungra adevere. Mevra baka sohoteke. Mehego gusta hagele meti. Mangra haha ha yendos dos dos de creeba. Mahash to kudush de bekita. Ed so vraha seki nambakita. And some who sit here today have received instruction from the Lord. I've spoken to you in times past and revealed my plan for your life. And you've not completely followed that. You've been hesitant. You've looked around and said, well, well, who do I think I am? How can God do those things through me? And you've been hesitant and you've been slow to respond. And in some cases, you've been disobedient and not responded at all. But I'm telling you that the day and the hour has come for you to fulfill your purpose, to fulfill your calling, to fulfill my plan for your life. So throw caution to the wind. Do not look at disappointment or, or defeats from the past, but know that my hand is upon you and what I have said to you I will fulfill if you'll just take a step of faith and obey and do what I've told you to do. You'll see the plan of God open before you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. 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 My, my, my. Presence of the Lord is so good. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your glory. Thank you for your spirit. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Hear the, hear the call of God in your heart. Calling you up. Calling you higher calling you to leave the lower lands of doubt and complacency. Leaving the lower lands. Leaving the lower places. Leaving the lower pursuits. Turning your attention to the things above. and Seeking those things which are above. And seeking a higher place in me, says the Lord. Hear that call. Open your ears, for that call is on the inside. It's not a call of trouble or restriction to bring you down or to hinder or to limit you. It's a call to, to raise you up and liberate you and bring you into the plan, bring you into a place of fruitfulness a place of operating in me and in fellowship with me walking and ministering with me in a place that that your heart desires but you've allowed the flesh to hold you back because it's just easier to do what you've always done 
to think like you've always thought, to be, to be hemmed in by other people's expectations. But hear the call of God. Hear the voice of the Lord. Hear that upward call and yield yourself to it. You will be a blessing if you will yield yourself to me. You will become a blessing. You will be blessed. All those round about you will be blessed. And your life shall bear the mark of great blessing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord's calling all of us to move up higher. He's calling all every single one of us to move up higher. Amen. To make fresh commitments. Fresh consecrations. Every one of us. Amen. <laughs> because the days ahead of us are glorious. Amen. He needs every hand on deck. Amen. Amen. It's not, it's not just for your husband or your wife or your parents or your children. The call of God's for you. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.